0: Amen. Galatians 4, starting in verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardian and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months, seasons and years. I am afraid... I may have labored over you in vain. You may be seated. As we return to the the book of Galatians, the deep waters of the book of Galatians, I thought we were getting into the shallower end of the pool, but I think we hit a drop-off. So this will be uh, part one of the same verses that I'll preach on the next time. But because it's been such a while since we looked at Galatians with the Advent season and everything, just to recap, the Galatians were not Jews before their conversion. And after their conversion, they were misled by a group called the Judaizers, a sect that believed that keeping some of the Mosaic law was necessary for salvation. So they questioned Paul's legitimacy as an apostle and his message. They're saying Paul doesn't preach the same message as the other apostles. Paul countered by explaining that his conversion on the Damascus Road came directly from a risen Lord. And 14 years later when he did visit the other apostles, Peter, James, and John, they ratified Paul's gospel as being in line with theirs. Paul is bringing up justification by faith, faith alone. Obedience after when we are saved by grace because we strive to please God because of that salvation and his love for us. Works are never a way to salvation. They are the result of salvation. So to sum it up, you know, in Galatians it says, Paul was called by grace on the Damascus road to be an apostle. The scriptures teach us that we are saved by grace through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Believers live a new empowered life because the Holy Spirit dwells within them, resulting in their obedience in pursuing God's plan prepared for them in advance to do because their deep love for God. And as we continue on, Paul keeps making his argument for why it's that way, why the scriptures point to that. In this fourth chapter, starting in verse one, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, he is under guardian and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Today, the focus is going to be on that last verse, the last part of that paragraph. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. When Paul is speaking of being enslaved, who are we slaves of? Who enslaved us? You know, Paul's aggressions for these people at Galatians is a result of who Paul knew had them enslaved before salvation and while was enslaving them again. Now I know when we're saved, we can never be lost when we're truly saved. But remember when I said the, you know, with a, two trains, you know, when they split off, the engine's going this way, engine's going that way, a Y. One taking us away from God, one heading toward God. God and a, a greater Christian life Now even for a believer if they hook themselves to the wrong engine they're going away from God God will bring them back eventually but they are not being productive for God's church and many times it's immature Christians that will hook themselves to the wrong engine they'll be fighting against God and his church thinking that they're doing God's work. And then like all other churches just like in Galatian, you'll have false believers. People who think they're saved and they're not. They are easily enslaved as well. To follow the elementary principles of this world. And you'll have some who are seekers. And if they hop on the wrong engine, they're going down the wrong path as well, or being led down the wrong path. And you also have the mature believers who stand firm. And I think in Galatia there was some of Each of that. Because how else would Paul have found out that there's churchgoers straying away unless you had strong, mature believers? But you had immature believers as well, you had seekers, you had false converts. All of them affect the church and the advancement of the church. Paul understood this. Who were these people enslaved to? Well, the early church was battling with demons, Satan, satanic influences. Now, I know there's some in the world today who don't believe in demons or miracles. You know, I've been stressing how we have a miraculous faith. But if you decide that you don't believe in miracles or demons or Satan, that is the deception from Satan. Demons do exist. Let's look at Luke eleven fourteen. 14. This is Jesus. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. While others to test him kept seeking to him for a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus surely believed in demons. and Like he says, the kingdom of God has come upon you is when by the hand of God, the power of God, demons are cast out. In Ephesians 6.10, Paul's words to the Ephesians, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It's pretty clear Paul believed in demons, the demonic realm. First Peter 5.8, be sober, mind, mindful, Be watchful, your adversary, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Peter believed in demons. He's also saying that all throughout Christendom. There's demonic powers at work. James says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 1 John 4, Believe, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. These are all early church leaders. They have no problem saying that. We're fighting against devils, against demons. Jesus said it. They said it. Satan prowls about like a roaring lion. He searches for weakness. We find in 1 Corinthians 8, 4, Therefore, as to the eating of... Of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence, so that there is no God but one, that's the capital G. For although there are many so called gods, small g gods, in heaven and earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. False gods. False gods. That's what these, these demons love to disguise themselves as many different gods. You know, we've been made to worship God. It's in our nature to worship. So Satan likes to come as a false god but we feel we are worshiping the true God. That's what Paul was seeing in Galatia. He was seeing these saints being deceived. These demons do disguise themselves as many gods. Many people, many congregational congregations, even many denominations will follow these false gods and lead others astray. You no, know, and First Corinthians 10 tells us, what do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that pagans sacrifice they offer to demons. What they sacrifice, they offer. To demons, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons, you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. These false gods, these false religious practices, they're demonic and it's led by demons. These small G's for gods are really demons. You're sacrificing the demons. And what he says, you cannot partake in the table of the Lord and the table of demons. You can't mix it. And when Galatia, you cannot say that I am saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, and then say I have to keep some of the Mosaic laws. Those laws were in the past, they were done. Religious practices... But you're sacrificing the demons. Should that surprise us? Do you think the devil and his demonic forces come to people and say, Hey, I'm from the devil. I'm going to give you power and strength, and you're going to be wicked. You're going to kill people. You're going to mutilate people. You're going to abort babies? Well, maybe he does with some cases tell people that, and they'll listen. But in the most cases, he's more subtle. He comes as an angel of light. He deceives. He takes a little at a time. Backs off, takes a little more. And pretty soon, instead of sacrificing things to God, with a big G, we're sacrificing things to a small God, small G, which is actually demonic. Demonic. You know, in 2 Corinthians 12, says, But what am I doing? I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false prophets, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. This is a tactic that Satan and his minions used to deceive the church at Galatia. They came as, as teachers, angels of light, the Judaizers, claiming that to worship God, the true God, salvation by grace wasn't enough. You have to keep some of those the laws of Moses. But it was leading to the damnation. Subtle. What's wrong with more religion? What's wrong with trying to go an extra step? A few sacrifices here and there. It's destructive. You know, and God... Eight, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. Again, the Galatians, before Paul preached to them, they were worshiping to idols, they weren't Jews. Remember, and it says, No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. So prior to Paul coming to them, they were sacrificing the demons, thinking they were doing things for God. Paul arrived. And again, I believe many were saved. I believe it was a young church, easily deceived. And again, there would be the false converts. There is in every congregation. The scriptures are clear about that. And there would be the seekers The thing what Paul is saying though you can be very religious you can be very good you can look like others like you're better at religion than anybody else and yet you can be serving demons and doing it even by being overly religious Legalist. He tells us, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? What Paul is telling this church is you're going in the wrong direction. You're hooked to the wrong engine. whether you're immature believers, seekers, or non-believers. You're following a false gospel. It will hinder the growth of the church. And he's saying again, you observe days, months, and seasons, and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. He's saying you're going back to the sacrificial system. Back to the ceremonial law, which had fulfilled itself. It was no more needed. The Judaizers are saying, well, to be a little more holy, you've got to go back to some of these laws. It isn't enough to be saved by grace. Paul is saying you're turning back to idolatry. You're back to serving the small g gods which are demons. You can't have it both ways. You can't be serving God and sitting at the table with demons. Now is the law good? Yeah, the law of God is good. But parts of the law were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. They were deleted. They're gone. They're done. They're finished. The perfect sacrifice came. Being over-religious, the misuse of God's laws is the same as sacrificing food or whatever to idols, to pagan gods. In both cases, you're serving demons. What did Paul say in Romans 7-11 about himself? For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. Paul is saying he was following the law. The misuse of the law that the Pharisees, and the Sadducees and the religious leaders had taught him. But I want you to think about that. Paul was their star student. He was not a stupid man. Highly educated Yet these satanic satanic demons were able to deceive him. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. Paul knew he was spiritually dead. He knew he was fighting against God, but he was doing it using the law. What did he do? He killed Christians, imprisoned Christians, but his religious leaders and him thought they were serving God. Satan came as an angel of light. You're saving the true God. You're serving the true God, Paul. And he was zealous. What did Jesus say to him? He said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? My church. Paul understood how deceptive the misuse of the laws of God can be used to advance false religion. Because we are created to serve God, Satan uses that to convince us the counterfeit. Remember, the counterfeit always wants to look as close to the the real thing. He uses counterfeit rules and regulations and laws, and we're serving demons. And sadly, these Galatians, if they would have kept going following these Judaizers, what would their converts be like? They'd be the same converts that we find in Matthew twenty-three, fifteen. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. So is the law of God holy? That it is, because in Romans 7.11, Paul says, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. It's a misuse of the laws of God. The misuse of the laws. The immature uses of the laws. And many times it is young believers. I know I've followed... Strayed down many a trails as a young believer that were wrong. In our zeal to serve God, many times we're easily deceived. So what do we learn from this? What do you think Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is trying to teach us? I think, number one, Satan and demons are real. And I believe they're around us today. They're always trying to hinder the growth of the church. At times they're very subtle, deceitful. But I also believe there will always be true, faithful followers, mature followers, who have the discernment fight against these demonic forces to call them out, to call them the task. We don't have to live in a spirit of fear. Oh, there's a demon behind every tree. Well, maybe there is. I don't know how many demons there are. When we mature as Christians... And have the maturity and the wisdom of God working through us. We don't have to live in a spirit of fear. 1 John 4 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. To see whether they are from God. What he's saying is be mature enough to know the difference. That's what all believers should be striving for. James, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you resist the devil? How do you resist demonic forces who are deceitful and subtle saying more religion is better? It's by understanding what God and how God wants us to serve him. It's by the study of God's word. The study of writers from the past taken serious that we are to advance in our Christianity to become mature saints. He who started a good work in you will complete it. We should never try to hinder that. We should try to assist the Holy Spirit in whatever we can physically do or humanly do. We don't have to live in a a spirit of fear, like I say. Resist the devil. Understand what the truth is. You know, we're easily deceived. Especially if we don't have the right information. You know, history tells us there was a guy, he wanted to serve God. Wanted to just focus on God. So at first he went in a cave and all he did is pray in the cave had other people bring him food and stuff. And this guy, he decided that wasn't good enough, so they, he had him erect a pole, and he would sit on the pole up in the air. So people would have to bring him food, his water. All he did was sit in the pole, and everybody thought, oh, this guy's so religious, so holy. What would you say about that? Well, how would you discern about that clown sitting on the pole using scripture? How about six days you should what labor? How about don't forsake the assembly of the saints? How about he who doesn't eat or work shouldn't eat? The Bible tells us those who don't work should work so they can help others. He's abusing others. He's ste- he was stealing from others. Stealing their time and their talents because he wanted to sit on his rear up on a pole and everybody bring him food and they probably had to take care of his waste as well. But oh, he's so holy. He's not holy. He's nuts. He belongs in a mental institution. That's not serving God. How is that advancing God's kingdom? How is that taking dominion? See, that's what a mature saint would look at. You know, I told you in the past, I, I worked with a guy, and he had a guy, all he'd do is eat oatmeal three times a day. And he was on like two years of eating that. And they are oh, he's so holy in that. That guy's a nut. It's not making them holier. We're all saved by grace. It's not because all we're going to do is eat oatmeal to deprive ourselves. Yeah, we're to, to deprive ourselves, but we're to do it according to God's law and follow God. We can come become very religious in our own minds and our own thinkings. And I'm sure, or I imagine that that was some of the hearts of these Galatians. A little more religion, what can it hurt? What can it hurt for salvation if we keep these rules and these regulations? I mean, they are from Moses. You know, we in this church have the opportunity to mature in faith. We have a wonderful library that Lydia has set up. Those are all counselors, those books. to read and to obtain wisdom. That's how you spot a counterfeit, is you know so much the original that you're not deceived. that you know the difference. That should be our goal. I think that's why Paul was so hacked off at these Galatians. They were going back to serving demons because of their immaturity and the deceitfulness of these corrupt leaders. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, I pray that you teach us discernment. Teach us the. Speak of the things of God. Study the things of God that we can iron them out between us. Iron does sharpen iron. Let us not be afraid to discuss things, to challenge things and oppose what is clearly ungodly. That is how we transform our lives, our families' lives, the church's lives, and the nation. By being faithful to you as mature believers, let us be such a people.